podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry E, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. We're preparing, we're revving up for the Miami Grand Prix, the first ever race. Uh, first ever race in Miami is coming up this weekend and we're here to preview it this evening. Um, I'm being very enthusiastic about this introduction and with good reason because I am yet again, folks, disappointing you, I'm afraid, because if you listen to our last podcast or indeed the podcast before that, you might well be expecting a certain Mr. Pitbull to be here this (laughs) evening. Unfortunately, despite numerous attempts, and when I say numerous, I mean one tweet to him two days ago. We've been unable to secure the services of Pitbull for this episode. I'm sorry to have disappointed you, the fans. Sam, I'm sure you share in that incredible disappointment. I'm gutted. As a, as the resident Mr. Worldwide fan, I know maybe three of his songs, um, I am absolutely <laughs> devastated. Devast- I'm devastated. Absolutely gutting. The fact we left it until about two or three days ago, Seems silly, poor play, but folks, if you didn't go, no, we haven't got Pitbull, but the LB yacht has been spotted in the uh, the Miami Harbour. The three of us are floating around there now. That's where we're recording from. So it's all it's all fun. We could go out for a walk, which is really nice. You haven't got to swim anywhere either, which is really convenient. If anything, Miami have done us all a favour. Who needs water? It's just annoying. So big up Miami in their fake lake. If um if no one takes the opportunity this weekend, and I hope he's there, but no one takes the opportunity to take a picture of Giovinazzi, aka Jesus, um standing Sorry. on the walking fake arena, walking on water, <laughs> that is a missed opportunity for the world. So come on, guys, get it done. Priorities are set out straight as ever here on the LV podcast. Um, the bad news for you folks is that we can't deliver on what we said when it comes to Pitbull being on the podcast this week. However, <laughs> no, that that's true. It's pretty much in line with everything we do. But good news is that I've had to try and compensate for it. And how do I compensate for things? I give you new games. We have a brand new game <laughs> coming up at the end of today's episode. I won't give any spoilers uh, other than that it's coming. I won't I won't mention any details, but you're going to you're going to like what's in store. Uh, We're also discussing Pierre Gasly and whether he belongs in the same conversation as a few of the other uh, up-and-coming stars, the likes of Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, George Russell. Does he belong in that group as well? We're going to be discussing Fernando Alonso uh, and how much longer he might actually keep racing. But we're going to start with the Miami preview, the first ever Miami Grand Prix. Um, It's an exciting time for Formula One. Um, And I'll kick off with you, Sam, on this one. Is this actually even more than just a big weekend for F1. Is this actually a groundbreaking week in F1, do you think? I feel like they should now call the event Formula One's big weekend because it feels like they've they've talked about it for an eternity. Um, I think this is a groundbreaking weekend for Formula One. I think this is absolutely monumental in terms of what it could do for the sport in such a huge market. Um, to make a comparison to how big I think this is, it's like the the growth, the evolution of how football in the UK, soccer in the US has has happened. I think I heard a statistic yesterday that there are 30 million football slash soccer fans in the US now, which if you compare that to, you know, you can assume that Europe, maybe some South American countries are the biggest soccer fans in the world, football fans in the world. 30 million puts them comfortably as a pretty large following of a sport, right? And it looks like Formula One is accessing those numbers now. It's starting to go in that direction. And if you're having a purpose-built track put together for you in Miami, of all places, one of the most famous places in the world, then you've clearly got influence. You've clearly got, you know, friends in the right places. You've clearly got a demand and a pull for the sport to be there. So 
the fact that we've unlocked the door of Miami, we're there, we're in, was it, is it the Sunshine State or is that California? Ben, you know these things. Which is it? It is? He's nodding. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, no. Sorry, California and Florida. I've got you all mixed up. Anyway, the fact that we're in Florida, which is also nice, um, (laughs) (laughs) is a good thing. Really good thing. So yeah, no, I think it's of our goddamn listener base, Sam. Fifty percent hey, from America. Stop part of the charm is <laughs> I know nothing about them. Um, yeah, no, this is an absolutely astounding weekend, and the fact that we've also obviously got Wait, Vegas now confirmed no, as well. What? No, you're right. You're oh, actually right. <laughs> Suck it! I'm a genius. <laughs> hang, hang on a minute. People are going to laugh at me now. What was Tupac singing about? <laughs> He's singing about a sunshine state in a song called California Love. What's up with that? California Love. (laughs) What's up with that? Never thought we'd get that reference on the podcast. I've been Harry. Let's end the podcast there. That's it. We're not peeking (laughs) up. No, that's false because you don't end it with your own name for a start. So that's a a, a lie. I've been two back. (laughs) Keep breaking (laughs) late. Brilliant. Good. Anyway, back to my point. We've opened up the Sunshine State, everyone. Thank you. And, of course, we've got Las Vegas open now, which is fantastic. That's coming next season. This shows that America is a real landmark location for Formula One now. They've started to crack the the market here. And the revenue, which, of course, Liberty will be very interesting, same as the FIA, um, the, the media potential for growth. Um, the drivers that we might be able to unlock now, if there's a more interest in more open wheelers, of course, not just Indy is a potential option for them. You never know what such an opportunity could open down the line. If we have regular races, two or three in America every single year now, for let's say a decade, there will be kids seven or eight years old who go, oh, Formula One, I've never thought of maybe looking at that properly or going to that properly. They might be inspired to do something. Who knows? We might get an American world champ coming through in the next decade or so, two decades, because they've gone, I went and saw the Miami Grand Prix in 2022, and it was amazing. I was never interested before that moment, and now I bloody love it. So I think this, for revenue basis, for growth, and I I love the fact that the Formula 1 market is growing. For us, as a a podcast, for fans, to see the community continue to grow and expand, especially into the American side of things, because... We do love you, USA. You are great to us. Yeah, <laughs> big fangs. Big fangs over here across the pond. Um, we love it. We absolutely love it. So it seems like Drive to Survive has worked its magic a little bit. It's opened up the market, which is, is, is a good thing. It's always a good thing to have more fangs. Miami is a great thing for Formula One. And hopefully it does produce a really good race and we have a really good time and it isn't incredibly dull. Because that would really you know, knock off any of the sunshine on this race, wouldn't it, if it was incredibly boring. But fingers crossed. It'll be good fun. I'm very happy we're going. How much of a landmark event do you think this is going to be for F1 Harry? Well, firstly, I'd just like to say I think that previous link was the best thing we've ever done in 191 episodes. Um, <clears throat> I think it was... I, don't th- I honestly don't think we'll ever top that. Um, look, I think you the, it can be summed up how important this weekend is in the fact that... Uh, was it yesterday or the day before... <clears throat> at least in the lead up to this race, you had Daniel Ricciardo on the Daily Show with Tre- Trevor Noah, and then almost the day after you had Lewis Hamilton on Good Morning America. Now, that I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think that used to happen back in the day. I don't think two F1 drivers in Nigel the space Maxwell of a week would go on Good Morning America. <laughs> yeah, Nigel Mats on, on Jay Leno, something like that. Hey, um, Murray Murray Walker was on Dave true. Letterman. True, but that's uh, Murray Walker. Come on, yeah, he's a, yeah, sure, yeah. He's his own, he's his own entity. Um, but yeah, my my point is, I think that kind of sums up what sort of weekend this is for F one. And yes, the racing may end up dull. Who knows? That remains to be seen. And the fake marina is ridiculous. But so what? Who cares? Um, but that aside, I think yeah, this is this is a huge weekend for for F one because. We've spoken about it many times uh, about F1 cracking cracking the US market and and it has failed to do so over the years. Many many attempts at it. They tried it by racing around the Indianapolis Speedway. They tried it by going to Watkins Glen. They tried a car park in Caesar's Palace, and now we're going to have two this year and three next year, three US GPs, um, which is huge, and and it, and it starts this weekend. So I think even if the race 
doesn't necessarily produce a cracker. And again, like I say, remains to be seen. But even if it doesn't, I think it's not going to matter. I think this is going to be such a huge event for Formula One that, yeah, it's this is this is the future. We're we're looking at it. Yeah, I I think this is going to be a groundbreaking event as well. Um, and in many ways, I can see this being almost a trial run for Vegas next year. I think this is their almost dipping their toe in the non-existent water in Miami um, just to find out whether just to find out how successful next year might be I appreciate it's two opposite ends of the country one sunshine state and another sunshine state (laughs) that apparently isn't Um, but even so the general interest in the US they should get an idea based on interest and viewership here in Miami as to what they might be able to expect in Vegas next year because as much as the social media machine has been well and truly out for this week and we're recording a day early we're recording on a Tuesday evening and already it's absolute mayhem it's it's bound to be manic the next couple of days as well we can be sure that that's going to be times three when we get to Vegas next year so I think this is going to be some sort of indication to F1 as to how successful it might well be in Vegas when we get there next year but you only have to look at everything that's surrounding this event to know how much this means to formula one firstly the fact that the event's going ahead at all they faced a lot of drama they faced a lot of issues to get to this point there were there were a lot of interventions from local residents from local government to the point where if they didn't want this to happen they would have abandoned this a long time ago and they they pursued they they in the face of all that they, they still went ahead with it they pursued it and it's going ahead. You just have to look at, I, I wrote down the, the press that you've already mentioned, Harry, that's incredibly valid. Those two events that have already taken place, but I, I know we laugh about it, but the, the fake Marina, <laughs> as ridiculous as a lot of people think that it is, including ourselves, they're still making the effort to make a fake Marina. Like you only do that if you are willing to make this event a true spectacle. I, I know it's been touted as the Super Bowl of F1 by a few over the last few days, and it's certainly starting to head that way. Uh, but you look at the how expensive the tickets are, which I'm not advocating for, but it, it's kind of in line with how much prestige they're putting behind the event. Uh, the celebrities they're wheeling out for this event, um, I think you've arguably got the two greatest basketball players in the world that are going to be there. Uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James that have ever ever played the game but and you've got uh, plenty of other big name celebrities that are going to be there as well um, yeah, I, I do think that this is a landmark event we'll see how well it goes um, I think it will, it will go very well indeed uh, but the likes of Zach Brown, American native himself um, has already said uh, a lot this week in terms of the the effect that Drive to Survive and the increased um, accessibility of viewership across the the US, how it's working, um, and they they almost get to this is the reward for that. The hard work has paid off for F one, and this weekend is the reward. Will the racing follow? Remains to be seen, but uh, we don't have crystal balls. Wait, we should. <laughs> Oh, we are children. <laughs> was, was it DC or Vettel who had a quote? It, it was Vettel, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. I think you so right. He has balls, but they're not crystal. Correct. That's it. Couldn't quite get it. Um, given we are going to a track for the first time, do you think that this presents an opportunity for, for anyone outside of the usual suspects who this season is turning out to be a Red Bull and Ferrari? Do you think there's an opportunity, Sam, for anyone elsewhere, just based on lack of experience here? There is one individual that always seems to do exceptionally well when we turn up to a new track, and it is Lewis Hamilton, right? You look at his track record, but uh, when it comes to racing around circuits that they haven't been to before, or he hasn't turned up to before, and the calibre... If, if I was Statman, I'd know the numbers, but I'm not. The calibre of tracks that he has won at when attending for the first time I'm pretty certain that before this season, he had never got one at any track he ever competed at. 
if off, off the top of my head, or it's something like a ridiculous like ninety seven percent of tracks that he's visited, he has won it, and that was proven again actually in the fight that he had with Max Verstappen last season. Right, we turned up to a couple of tracks for the first time. Uh, throw your minds back to Qatar, for example, dominated, won it, picked that up, and that has been the theme throughout his career. So you look to the older heads, the older statesmen of Formula One, to maybe go. We know how to learn a new track. We know how to maybe set up a car a little bit better. And so, you know, your Fernando Alonso, your Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, who, you know, it's rumoured that Mercedes might be bringing a new upgrade package to the, the track as well. So that could be exciting. It could be an exciting combination for those two. You'd like to think that, let's say, I don't know, Hamilton was going to finish sixth at a normal Grand previous weekend because it's Miami and he's the most experienced person. Maybe he could pull out a third or a second. You know, a podium might be possible for him if the car is up to scratch. So, that's who I would be looking to if you look through the history books, which I do so rarely, and look at the form that these drivers have had. Hamilton, Alonso, they're usually your people that are going to make the most of it. But again, it's, 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 it follows the same path. I wouldn't put it past Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc. They work incredibly hard. They'll have done their research. They'll have been on the simulators as soon as it was available to them. They would have learnt this track. So, very interesting to see. I mean, we saw Portimao, Carlos Sainz, but he led the race after the first lap. And that was crazy, absolutely crazy. So the same thing could happen here this weekend. Um, it really could be a completely up in the air ultimately. Yeah, ultimately, there's no substitute for pace in a car. There's no substitute for that. It doesn't matter if you're racing at Miami, Monza, Mugello, or Morecambe. It really doesn't matter. You can race anywhere, and there's no substitute for it. So I don't necessarily think the likes of Lewis Hamilton or indeed anyone else can pull out a miracle. Um, uh, but there should be more opportunities for the likes of Lewis Hamilton based on the reasons that, that you just gave, Sam. You, you're right. His, his record at new tracks is impeccable. And I know at least a couple of seasons ago, that stat that you reeled off there was definitely true. Whether it's still true or not, I can't quite remember just based on us having gone to multiple different locations over the last few years. But off the top of my head... I can't think of anywhere new that he hasn't also won. So that might still be true. Doesn't really matter because even if he's missed out on one or two, the fact remains he is very good when tasked with a brand new challenge. And this is, again, a brand new challenge. Um, but again, there's no substitute for pace. So this, this does give the opportunity for Lewis Hamilton, who is he's obviously Mercedes are in a rut, but Hamilton individually is in a rut as well. And he is down on George Russell in terms of points and probably in terms of performance so far this year. This is almost the perfect opportunity for him as to, to properly get into the season. I appreciate we're five races in, but this could be the start of, of his season at this point. And if we do see more DNFs, reliability is still a bit iffy, just based on it being new season, new era. If we're going to get a few more DNFs as a result of it being a new track, then you, you fancy the likes of Hamilton to take the advantage of that. And it's not just Hamilton as well. It, it could be the likes of the McLarens. Ultimately, I still think with Mercedes, Hamilton and Russell, they would, in terms of driver ability, back themselves over any other team. You could make a case that Red Bull and Ferrari aren't far behind, but Mercedes would probably claim they've got the strongest driver lineup on the grid. And I always see, um, I'm going to use a pie analogy here. I always see oh, like, I always see like F1 success as a pie. Like you've got so much that goes into it. You've got driver performance, strategists, pit crew, weather, luck. You've got your, what your teammate does. You've got so much that goes into the success of anyone in F1. As soon as you take out a few of those aspects. So here we're taking out, previous data we're taking out previous experience of the track that increases the slice of the pie for all the other categories that are still in there which is why i think actually driver ability becomes ever more important in a race like this because you're taking away the other factors you're making the existing factors more important such as how good are you uh, so i think hamilton might well benefit from that he's going to need some he's going to need some like he's going to need some dnfs but maybe this is the opportunity that he needs what do you think on that one, Harry? What sort of pie would it be, Ben? Uh, let's go with a steak and kidney pie. Oh, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
If it's Lewis Hamilton we're talking about, it needs to be plant-based. Otherwise, he doesn't get a slice of his own pie. That's got to be vegan steak and kidney. <laughs> yeah, that, a meat replacement is perfectly acceptable. I was going to go more creative than that, but sure, oh, no, we'll go, go with share. that. No share, Ben. Yeah, go crazy. Oh, I don't know what I was going to say. I needed some time. Oh, to right, fine. It. Oh, well, I'll let you I'll I'll think, and I'll come yeah. back to you. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think uh, pies aside, I think uh, what you said, Ben, is is very accurate. Um, it look it increases the chances for everyone on track and. Yes, it, it's, it sort of levels the playing field even more than we've had this year in terms of the new cars. But it levels the playing field just that little bit more. But it sort of levels it for everyone, doesn't it? So as better a chance it might give the likes of Hamilton or, as you say, the McLarens or a Haas, um, it also gives a better chance to Verstappen and Leclerc, etc. So, yeah, I think look, it'll, it'll be an interesting one because this is a real the first real blank canvas we've had for these cars i know we had australia uh, where we've not been to for a couple of years um but you know these cars have never been on this track we've never been to this track obviously uh so yeah i i think it, there's definitely a chance that it could could uh, shake up the order a bit and like sam said if mercedes do have some upgrades this weekend maybe that'll help them uh shoot up the order too so yeah i, I don't have a huge amount to add all i'm thinking now i want to know what ben's Ben's pie option is for, for vegans. That'd be sort of one. Vegan no, yeah. steak and kidney pie. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, good one. Good one. Good one. Well, that wasn't very bold, but hopefully we've got some more bold items coming up. It's time for bold predictions, but not only our bold predictions, we've got some Discord submissions for bold predictions. We're starting this this week and if it's a failure we'll be ending it this week but we're hoping that it won't be so if it's not been a failure get your bold predictions in for the next race that we've got but we'll hear from a few people in a bit we'll start with our own ones so harry what have you got for your bold prediction mine's very much related uh, to what we we're just talking about but and if we'd said this six months ago i think we'd have been like what well, that's not bold but my bold prediction is that we get a double mercedes podium we're not going to win but double double merc podium Double, I mean, bear in mind that Sam had a very nearly correct bold prediction earlier in the season, which was one Merck podium. You're going two. It almost happened at Bahrain, had there been not, not two people in front of them, didn't it? If they had third and fourth or second and fourth. <laughs> if they didn't have two people in front of them, they would have been <laughs> on the podium. Sure. Isn't that yeah, how racing... Sure. Are you Charles Leclerc's um, race engineer? That's me, that's me. I re- also just realised I said they won't win. I won't. I won't do that. They might win. It could be any of the podium places, okay. but I'll just right. say both on the podium at some position. All right, my bold prediction, uh, I was very encouraged by a performance at Imola, and that was the performance of one Yuki Sonoda. I thought he did a very good job. It was a very professional, unlike Sonoda approach to a race. He made a few good overtakes, but generally speaking, he kept it pretty calm, which I think is a good sign. Um, and I'm going to get way too carried away with it, with this bold prediction. Um, but he is a late-breaking Hall of Famer, so I've got to give him the props. I think Yuki Sonoda, and this is technically a three-parter, oh, I think wow. Yuki Sonoda will beat Gasly in two of the three practice sessions. Oh, at least two. God, if he beats him in three, what? that's fine. He will out-qualify Gasly, and he will beat Gasly in the race. More budget than the Lord Yuki, of the Rings trilogy. Just yep. be good. Just be good. I'm not. I'm not I'm keeping kinda, track of I'm, the practice I'm, sessions. By the way, I'm not paying attention to them. Well, we'll just have to presume I'm right then. Um, <laughs> but that's my that's my bold prediction. What's your sub? Uh, I think that boosted by his television national appearance, um, Daniel Ricciardo will step back and get back into the action properly. He'll beat Lando Norris and pick up a podium. And we all love a cheeky two-parter. Nick Schumacher will pick up his first points of the season. Why do you do this to yourself? Every time he's like, oh yeah, that's quite bold. And then he's like, nah, slap some more bold on top. Have some of that. <laughs> Have a second helping of bold on there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you go into an ice cream shop and they go, uh, yes, hello, sir, madame. Um, one scoop or two. Yeah, I'll have a scoop of bold. Then you'll know, suffer a second scoop of bold on top with some sprinkles. I'll stick a bloody flake in it, this bold prediction. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah. You found that. you found Jason Statham and you you you've stuck Bruce Willis right to his head. That's what you've done. <laughs> bold on bold. Oh, we are bold. Let's listen to some of your bold predictions and whether they can outdo ours. We'll start with the Bungalorean himself. Great name. Hello, my friends of the late breaking podcast. My bold prediction for this race, the Miami Grand Prix, is that there will be contact of some kind between good old Chucky LeClaire and Maximilian Verstappen. <laughs> to what degree that contact is, I do not care. The first, <laughs> first pitch, the first punch will be thrown between the two title challengers. For that, I don't care. <laughs> Maximilian. What I, a beautiful voice you've got, Bungalorean. Hey, it's yeah. so soothing. You should, you should do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to Rye Guy. Bull predictions for the Miami Grand Prix. Nicholas Latifi will score points. Our Mercedes will win the race. And one of the boats on there's makeshift pond will sink. <laughs> <laughs> which which of those three is the most bold? <laughs> I reckon it's Latifi scoring points. I'm going to go with the boat. Yeah, that's going under. Nah. I've heard it's fake water. Oh, what? Is it? <laughs> Don't ask Will Buckskin that. Right. That's a pretty crazy triple header there. I can appreciate that. Let's uh, move on to here for the, for the lulls. My bold prediction is that Latifi will crash again. And this is going to be his last race in Formula One. Oh, that warmed up, extreme. didn't it? Extreme. That warmed yeah. up. You were thinking, oh, it's a bit of a chilly start. Oh, no, that got warm. That got bold by the end of it. You think Latifi crashing? All right, tell me something new, Sunshine. Sunshine State. And then he does. Contract over. You're out of here. And lastly, for fan submission, let's go for Retro Coffin. My bold prediction is Carlos Sainz continues on the paint train to make it a third DNF in a row which would give Kevin Magnuson a podium place. Big up the Haas. They love, yeah. they love Haas over there. And of course, the US branding. Can I have a bit of hometown love, a bit of hometown glory? Hometown really love. appreciate Retro Coffin for, for recording that whilst clearly walking alongside a road. A I think he's driving. There. I'm not going to lie. I think he's driving. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Retro Coffin. We appreciate it. But, but what so does got, Modern Coffin think? <laughs> poll one two three what have you got sam poll one two three um i sorry i just got the song in my head now i've got wow. an earlier link that i never thought no, was gonna happen can't can't sing that it's misled me oh sorry um i actually haven't thought about this in the slightest uh i'm gonna say pole position is gonna be max verstappen the wing will be Charles Leclerc. second max verstappen third daniel ricardo Harry, we know two of your podium spots, but how are they ordered and who else is there? Pole position will be Max Verstappen. The win will be Max Verstappen. And then it'll be Lewis Hamilton second and Georgie Russ in third. Uh, and finally, mine, I've got Max Verstappen on pole, Max Verstappen winning the race, Charles Leclerc in second and third. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sergio Perez. Sergio Get Perez. Go! Get go! Let's move on. Let's move on. We'll move on to Pierre Gasly. Um, this comes directly from an exclusive interview that he gave with race fans. Um, a, a quote in particular stuck out to us, which is that. He said the words, I belong with Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell and Norris. He believes he's in the same conversation as those four guys. And we've been very complimentary about what Gasly has been able to do over the last few years. So I guess the question to us is, does he belong in that group or not? Sam, kick us off on this one. What do you think? I mean, sausage is out. Before we start this conversation, right, you've got to make sure that Sosky's we are correctly set. So thank you. Everyone, Soski's out for Gasly. Still around your head. Right now, we can carry on with the debate. Brilliant. Um, Pierre Gasly, he is uh, 26 years old. He's, what, a year younger than Carlos Sainz, who most consider to be slightly older than this golden generation of talent that we see coming through. So I feel like people forget that he's maybe on the older side of that group, if you look at where Norris, Russell, Verstappen are. Not by a lot, but 
enough. He's still younger than me. Um, and that says plenty. Pierre Gasly, not to be harsh to him, he did have his shot. Now, you look at those drivers that have that he's compared himself to. George Russell, Landon Norris, Charles Leclerc. They have stepped up immediately the first time of being asked. Uh, Max Verstappen, he gets put into that Red Bull car. He wins his first Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc, he gets put into uh, the Ferrari. He beats the four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel across the season. And by the bloody end of the first race, he's trying to overtake him immediately on pace. George Russell, right? He gets his go in the Mercedes, currently beating a seven-time world champion on points. Lando Norris, he's in the McLaren. I would argue, competent team leader, outdriving Daniel Ricciardo, who's a race winger, and was matched with Carlos Sainz, who was the person that got picked for Ferrari. Pierre Gasly, when he got to Red Bull, you'd argue it was a failure. You'd argue it was not a successful spout at that team. And that was his big chance to make a name for himself at the top of Formula 1. If he nailed that season, and I don't mean beat Max Verstappen, if he just was competitive to a strong degree, he would be in a permanent top seat right now. And he's having to play catch-up based entirely on his own shortcomings, on his own failures that he cropped up against. And that's not you know, any slight against Pierre Gasly. Some drivers need more time. Some drivers need a better environment to adjust. Some cultures just don't work with certain people. There are many factors that go into this, but the fact of the matter is he got a shot at a top team and he didn't make it work. Now, He's been incredibly impressive over the last two and a half years at that um, Alpha Tauri. He's done a very, very good job. I've praised him as one of the drivers of the season last season. And I do think he deserves another chance in a better car than that Alpha Tauri. I want to see him in a better team that isn't the Cisco team, the B team to Red Bull. But where that comes from and who he displaces, I, I couldn't tell you. Does he get the other Mercedes suit when Lewis Hamilton eventually walks away? Mercedes must have some optional backup plan there. They're Mercedes. They will have a long-term plan. Does he go and sit in that Alpine, which isn't progressing in the way that they wanted to? Well, Alonso has already claimed, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, that until someone beats him on raw pace, he isn't going anywhere. Ocon signed a, year, uh, a deal until the year 3000. He'll be there with Busted, celebrating that we're all living underwater. Um, you know, nice. Ferrari seems cementing him for a while. They've got Mick Schumacher waiting in the wings. I don't think he's going to go back to Red Bull. So unless another big team comes along, maybe Audi, as has been mentioned in the press, maybe Porsche have taken a liking to him. I don't know where he does go. So him saying, I should be up there with them. You did have your chance and you let yourself down. And now there really aren't too many doors that you can walk through that allow you to have a second crack at the whip. So Pierre, I think you are fantastic. I think you really can deliver a great race result. I think you are improving every year. But is it a little bit too little too late? I don't know if I can give the de- definitive answer, but I don't think he is on the exact level that Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell, Norris are on. I think he's just below that. And that's tough because he has come up in a generation of Formula One drivers, which I think could mix it at any generation of Formula One drivers at the moment. They are spectacular. So it's tough for Pierre. He's probably the fifth or sixth best youngster coming up the ranks at the moment in Formula One. And that is tough to play that fiddle at the moment so Pierre I love the the optimism I love the ambition I don't think you're there but I have a lot of love for you yeah and I I think everything you said there was fair I don't I don't think I disagree with anything you said Um, and I also regardless of whether this is true or not I don't blame Pierre Gasly for saying it even if we think it's not true Pierre Gasly needs to think it's true and the second he doesn't think it's true is the second he loses any confidence that he has as a driver. Uh, it's not about being realistic. It's about believing in yourself. To you know, You've got to be your number one supporter in F1 because you can't guarantee where the support is coming from elsewhere. So I don't blame Pierre Gasly for saying this right or wrong. I, like I said, I largely agree with all the points you made, Sam. And I think the easiest way to do this is to run through those four drivers and say what is their biggest highlight against a teammate. Verstappen, he's destroyed every teammate he's had for the last three and a half years, right? And, oh, by the way, he also won a race when he was 18 years old and he's a champion of the sport. But against teammates, he's destroyed everyone to the point where Red Bull have had to keep switching because they don't think they've got the right guy because Verstappen's doing such a job on the second driver. Leclerc, at the age of 21, he beats a four-time world champion. 
And he was like, yeah, that's not enough. I'll do it next year and I'll do it even more convincingly. So he's got a pretty good claim. Norris, also at the age of 21, he beat an eight-time race winner in Daniel Ricciardo. And that that same Daniel Ricciardo beat a four-time champion in Sebastian Vettel in the same car. And then you've got George Russell, who admittedly you have the least to go on, but he has only four races under his belt in a top car. And he's beating the driver who has a very, very reputable claim for greatest driver of all time. That's that's what he's comparing himself to. To be honest, I'm going to split the list into two. Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, he's not in the conversation with them and it isn't even close. As much as I like Gasly and I think he's a very good driver, he's not in the conversation with those two whatsoever. George Russell and Lando Norris are slightly different because we've got less to go on, particularly Russell. With Russell, I want to see the full season of him in a Merc and arguably a little bit more than that. Lando Norris, similarly, I'd like to see just one more season from him before I can definitively say which group they fall into. My instinct is they fall in the same group as Verstappen and Leclerc, but I, I haven't seen enough yet to definitively say it. So those two, I think it's fair. Verstappen and Leclerc, absolutely not. Let's be honest about this. This is going to sound very harsh. If we were to put Gasly and Verstappen back together again as teammates, and I have no doubt that Gasly would do a better job than he did the first time round. No doubt about that whatsoever. Let's say in a 25 race season, how many times do you think Gasly would beat Verstappen on pure pace across a year? Would I be harsh by saying three would be optimistic? I think it would be less than five. I think it would be less than five. I don't know. And that's the point. He wants to be on the same he wants to be on the same like level as Verstappen. He's not beating Verstappen 50% of the time in a season. It's not happening. So um uh, I I believe Gasly is perhaps more suited to the group of probably Esteban Ocon and I think he's a slightly better version of Alex Albon, but probably in that group as well. Maybe Sainz belongs in that group too. Uh, but I don't think he's in the in the group that he's saying here. Um, but that's not to slight what he's done. He's done a he's done a marvelous job for AlphaTauri in the last couple of years. He's been the backbone of that team, and he's done a great job. He's just comparing himself to excellence here. What do you think? What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, um, uh, completely agree with what you both said. It's just, uh, and it's it's very easy to judge people on 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 you know their first year or first time in a top car, but. If you look at Leclerc and Verstappen, who I think, as you say, bear in that top tier of that sort of those groups, um, in their first years in in a top car, they absolutely smashed it. And and I know Gasly, there are, you know, uh, other factors in in Gasly's sort of downfall from Red Bull, but but it's not not completely down to external factors. He didn't he didn't deliver in that half year, and yes, he should have probably been given a whole year to to try and turn things around, but. He didn't. He didn't deliver when it when it counted. I'm not saying, as you say, Ben. I don't think he was. He would beat Verstappen very often, but it just didn't didn't happen when when he needed it to. So, yep, I'm totally agreed that he's an, a good solid driver, and he sits in that. Yep, Ocon. I'm unsure whether I put signs in that group yet, but around that level, but he doesn't quite reach for the heights of Verstappen, Leclerc, and as you say, Norris, Norris and Russell too. Um, so yeah. It's uh he needs to say it as you say doesn't doesn't necessarily matter what we think if as long as he believes it I guess that's that's kind of what ma- all that matters for for himself but um yeah I don't quite don't quite agree with that one um because yeah even I think you just even do it on that Red Bull stint alone I just think the top drivers like Hamilton's like Schumacher's etc they excel as soon as they step into a car uh, or a top car at least um whereas Gassi didn't deliver. And that topic uh, was the winner of our incredibly democratic uh, poll that we put in our Discord. Um, so when we remember and we've got enough time, we always do them for, for preview episodes and non-race episodes uh, where you have a choice between two different topics. That was the winner this time out. Uh, Look out for the next hold one. Hold on, Ben. Hold got- on. I'm pretty certain there was a third option that only, narrow- that only narrowly missed out on that that you're refusing yeah, yeah, yeah. to mention for some reason. The poll function is... The poll function is, I was going to say something that I can't say on the podcast. The poll function can be a little bit annoying sometimes. Interesting. That's very, Why? very it Going into more detail, way. Ben. Just exp- 
Explain what happened with the pole function. It just never works, does it? I mean, I I sound like I'm 90 at the moment, but I, I tried to put the pole in, and unfortunately there was a blank option A, and the two actual options were option B and C. Um, and I specifically said, and this is just very, you know, it says a lot. I said, don't vote for option A. There's nothing in there. It's blank. No one listens to me in any capacity, <laughs> and everyone votes for option A. If I, it got like half the votes of the topic we just talked about. Option A, yes, which was nothing. It also beat option B, which said, can Latifi <laughs> match up to his teammates? So Latifi's managed to lose something else entirely, something too non-existent, you know? Um, so thank you to our Discord. You've not let us down once again. Also, who started? Who started it? Who managed to no get idea. that gravy train moving? Sam no was idea. the first one that voted option A. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, let's move on to uh, Fernando Alonso. Um, he said that he is unlikely to leave Formula One until he sees someone that is beating him on pure ability. Um, Harry, is he ever going to leave F1? No, <laughs> next topic. <laughs> He's never going, is he? Look, um, I think uh, I think Alonso's staying. I think there's a few rumours floating about about a new contract for for old Fernando. Um, but look, I think. He's got a. Like, we know how Alonso loves to exaggerate things. He is he's box office like his friend Magnuson, box office Alonso. Um, he likes to he likes to spice things up with what he says, but his it, part of it is not wrong. I think you know he might not have the the pure maybe one lap pace of some of the drivers in the field now, but over a race distance still, yeah, I would I would. There aren't there are a few, only a few people in that field I think that would be able to out outpace him over an entire race. So yeah, he's he's never going to quit. It's going to be there forever. And you know, Alpine would be like Fernando. We've got fifteen young drivers waiting in the wings. <laughs> we, accident, we accidentally signed Ocon to the year three thousand, as Sam's already said. Um, please leave. And he's like, no, never. Could, I'm not going. And, and he went. And he'll probably still be delivering ultimate pace. It's very impressive for Alonso. I know he's, as I say, he's not quite, I don't think, on the same pace as he was, you know, 2012 version of Alonso. But I don't think he's a million miles off it. And considering his age, and if you look at the career of Kimi Raikkonen, it's quite impressive that he's still going on at this age. I don't remember. What is he now? Is he 41? Yeah. Might be 40. Yeah. Yeah, I can't quite remember. Might be 40. I'm look it okay. up. Are old for a for an F1 driver, and you know even Schumacher came back in his forties, and it wasn't quite the same. So it's it's impressive to say the least. But yeah, I, I just don't think he's ever going to quit. I'm fine, whatever. It'll be I, I love Alonso. In in a month and a half. Yes, it'll be another twenty years yet. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, <laughs> to be the the worst person this is for this this is horrible for Oscar Piastri. You mentioned all the oh. academy drivers. Oscar Piastri's reading this quote and going, for beep's sake, will you move? <laughs> I think no. this is going to be difficult to explain, but do you know that um, you know that meme where you've got the young sort of kid with, with the hair in front and he's kind of just there like blinking like... <laughs> I'll show it to you. I have no idea what... Yeah, please, I have no idea what you're on about, mate. He's just there. <laughs> Completely blankly staring, like, yep, sure. Bye. <laughs> um, anyway, what we're talking about here, this is the important thing. We're not talking about Fernando Alonso's ability. We're talking about Fernando Alonso's perception of his ability. And they are two very different things. So whereas he's not there yet. Whereas I might see it as it's time for you to go, Fernando. Do you think Fernando Alonso is going to see that the same way? Fernando Alonso is basing this on his version of events. And bless him, it's why we love him and why he's been in F1 and why he's been fantastic is because he believes in himself so much. But it will be the downfall to his end of his career. I'm pretty certain <laughs> on that. I would love nothing more. Fernando Alonso, who is still pretty quick right now, to ride off into the sunset at just the right time, where he's still quick enough that he is very well respected in F1, but not to the 
let's Kimi Raikkonen point of it's over now, Kimi. I'd love to see him leave before that, but I I trust Fernando Alonso immensely on pretty much everything. I don't trust Fernando Alonso's judgment at his own lack of ability. I, I, I don't <laughs> trust that whatsoever. I think he will be there if he wanted to. If he had a quick car, he'd be there at 50 years old thinking, I can still do it. Hey, there have been guys who have been 55 who have raced in an F1 race before. Yeah, but Fernando, that was 1951. I don't care. I can do it. <laughs> I, I I, would, I really want to, just because the, the Fernando Alonso fanboy in me wants him to just always have this uh, majestic reputation that is not damaged and that requires him leaving at the appropriate time <laughs> at some point <laughs> and let and people aren't gonna like this it's gonna happen father time uh, he's undefeated he's not gonna be beaten here either his his powers will deteriorate and arguably already have done to an extent he's not the driver he was 10 years ago and he's not gonna be the driver in 10 years time that he is today it's just about managing what sort of a legacy you want to leave within F1, do you want to be remembered as the all-time best? Oh, I don't know, the all-time best, but do you want to be remembered as this incredible driver who managed to quit at the right time, or do you want to go down the Kimi Raikkonen route? On that point, yeah. do, do you think, on the point of you know his own perception, say he does stay too long and it starts to deteriorate and then he eventually has to leave, will it matter? Because in his head, he, he will just think he left at the right time. Oh, yeah, he'll think that. <laughs> does it does it matter? He will move, he will leave when he thinks it's right. The problem is <laughs> I don't think he's going to be right about when he thinks it's right. What do you think, Sam? Do you think he's around for the next decade, thirty years, fifty years? I feel like Fernando Alonso in his mind, as you said, perception maybe should not be trusted. I feel like in his mind, he's got a like a, a technique of how he wants to actually be beaten. And I imagine it's kind of like at the end of each season, one of the youngsters is going to have to come up to Fernando Alonso and go, hello, Mr. Alonso, I challenge you to a duel. And they get to pick the car and they have to do, I don't know, a three-lap race. And if the youngster beats Alonso, then he will bow out. But you know what Alonso is He'd like. He'd blame his power unit. He would. If something will go wrong, he'll go GP2 engine, or he'll do the meme where he's laughing in the classic car on the Australian Grand Prix, where he's just like, ha, 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 no. Um, that will be what Fernando does. And then he'll absolutely smoke the youngster when he's like 48 years old. You go, come on, kid, come back next time. Um, and you're right, Oscar Piastri has got to be sat there. You, you got, right, here's a meme that people will actually understand, then, like the one that you've referenced. You know that when the old person's walking down the road and the young person is trying to walk around the pavement, but the pavement's too thin, and it's like, get out my way! That's like Oscar Piastri walking behind Fernando Alonso as an elderly man. Um, and I imagine that's what the entire young grid of possible Alpine drivers is going to be like for a little while. But I'm a Fernando Alonso fanboy. I love seeing him on the track. I think he's got a good couple of years left anyway before he starts to really drop off the pace. And I'm okay with seeing that because he hasn't done what Kimi Räikkönen did, which was give up. You know, he confirmed that it's just a hobby, that he's just doing it. And that sucks the fun out of it for the viewers and for myself, I think, a little bit. But I think Alonso still believes you give him a top two car, he will win the championship. And that is what I absolutely love about Fernando Alonso. So until he stops having that mentality, stay on the grid. I don't care. Stay on the grid. It's fun. I love having Fernando on here. I'm all for it. I feel like Oscar Piastri is just going to like find different ways to trick him out of the car now. <laughs> just like really cartoonish ways of attempting it. Or like, uh, what, like Roadrunner? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tom and Jerry style. I, I feel like we're going to head uh, in that territory. He'll dress up as a little kid and go, oh, Fernando, can I have your autograph? And underneath, it'll be like a, a signed declaration of I'll give up my seat to Oscar Piastri. And you'll get caught out in a whole series of Scooby-Doo related events. All right. We're going to move on because this is the first ever encounter and probably last ever encounter of a new game from the people that brought you Alonso <laughs> or Alonso. Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is F1. They tell me more. <laughs> I've got to sing now, haven't I? Yeah. 
Go on, Sam. But tell me more, but tell me more, will we be wrong or right? But tell me more, but tell me more, this quiz is proper sh- oh, Rubbish. Proper rubbish. <laughs> oh, I feel like there could be a word that rhymes better than rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Um, All right. With, with right. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tight. The result could be tight. It Definitely could be. nothing rude. It could be. Um, you're probably wondering what on earth is that tell me more. Um, and that would be a good question. I've got no idea. Um, there are eight different sentences I've got written down in front of me. Uh, and Harry and Sam will take it in turns to essentially fill out the blank. Um, and they're all about Sebastian Vettel. Uh, love a bit of Seb. There are eight things that Seb has done or encountered or something to do with his career. Uh, they should be noticeable enough that they can have a good stab at them, but we'll see. It will make sense when we get into it. So, Sam, you can start off this week. Any number between one and eight, please. I'll go with the classic Sebastian Vettel when he wings. Number one. <laughs> ba-da, ba-ba, ba-ba, ba-ba. 2013 was a great year for Vettel. In fact, he won blank races. <laughs> oh. Um, he won 13 races. Are you sure? No, I'm not. Well, you should be, because being... he won 13 races. <laughs> what? Come on. I'm elated. Sam takes the lead. I haven't actually thought about whether you can steal on this or not. What do you reckon? Not yeah, that we're making the yeah, yeah, rules through. Yeah, yeah I'll get right, that right anyway. Have you got the. You, I mean, you, is it the steal, get it wrong, minus one rule? Yes. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm done on points. I'll have one and leave. <laughs> Any number between two and eight, please, Harry. I'll go for seven. Number seven. What is wrong with you these days? <laughs> When Walter Costa delivered a question in 2014, Vettel's response was blank. Uh, wasn't it, could you repeat the question? It was, uh, can you repeat the question? Oh, can well you done, the yes. Question? Uh, that's incorrect. Still, can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah, not, not, not having that. Um, yeah, so the name might not mean much to some of you. It is the longest question ever asked at a press conference. Go and look at it Go if you haven't, yeah. Um, it's hilarious. It is brilliant. <laughs> one all. Well done, Harry. Uh, next number for you, please, Sam. Um, smells like poo. Number two. <laughs> Arguably not, but go on. Um, <laughs> Seb's career got off to a great start. He finished blank on debut. Um, seventh. It's incorrect. You want to try and steal it? Wow, wow. Hey, uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. You're gonna I, leave I, it alone. We'll, gonna leave that alone. We'll keep. The, if you had to go for something, what would you do? Ninth. Uh, you just had to go in the middle. It's eighth. <laughs> I knew it was close to the end of the points. That's God annoying. Damn. He scored one point for eighth place at the USGP. Um, so we stay at one all, and we go back to you, Harry. Uh, what number? Uh, number two, he did last time. So I'll go for number four. Number four. Vettel lost out to Hamilton at the 2016 Canadian Grand Prix. Which animal was at fault? <laughs> I mean, you say at fault. Which animal did he think was at fault? Uh, I believe they were seagulls, weren't they? Correct. They were indeed seagulls. <laughs> uh, this was, yeah, 2016 Canadian Grand Prix. Hamilton won. Vettel had a near encounter with a seagull during the race, uh, which he hilariously put down to the reason that he lost. Not seriously, but um, well done. 2-1 to Harry. Pressure's on you, Sam. What number do you want? Pressure's on me. Number three. Nice. Almost <laughs> tempted to give you a point for that. Um, <laughs> Sebastian has a habit of naming his cars. 
He named his 2011 car after which singer? Oh, I don't know. He's got so many cheeky names for them. Um, James Bond. All sat there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stevie Wonder. Um, I would, cut, I would call my all... car Stevie Wonder. <laughs> oh, I refuse to make any further comment on the matter. Um, I, I think is everyone else is sat there like, oh, Sam, I know this one. Well, you know what, folks? Oh, I don't. So I'm going to say, <laughs> oh, that's the band. I can't say the band name. Um, Debbie Harry, like Dirty Debbie, whatever it was called. <laughs> I like that. I like it. Debbie Harry. Uh, I really like that guess. It's wrong. It's not right. Uh, <laughs> Harry, do you want to attempt to steal on this one? I'm not, I think I know, but I'm not 100% certain, but I'll, I'll risk it. Is this the one he called Kinky Kylie? Oh, and I knew it was a cheeky. Who, who would the who would the singer be? Oh, Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue is correct. Uh, that was Are there many nice other Kylies. I, I, I wanted to give Sam a chance. If I get it wrong, I don't know. <laughs> Three Thanks, one. Mate. Three one Sympathy is the score. No, nah, it's, it's all right. Uh, there are three left on the board, Harry. Which one do you want? Oh wait, is it your? No, it is your turn, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it good, is. Good I, I couldn't quite work uh, out because you've had four wrong. points between you, but there was one missed out, so that's fine. It is your turn. Um, I go for number seven, please. Well, you could, well, but you've already got that one right, so uh, that might be a bit unfair. Yeah. Mug yourself! I'll go for number... <laughs> yeah, minus a point for that. Can I go for number eight, then, please? You can go for number eight. Um, you're going to have to give me three answers to this, I'm afraid. Oh, what? As a young kid... Sebastian looked up to three Michaels. They are, of course. <laughs> oh, come on. Michael Schumacher. You're going to have to name all three. I can't say whether you're right or wrong. Until you name all three. <laughs> oh, I'm going to think of some other Michaels now. Yep. Michael. Get it wrong. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Each British reference has been included oh. for the episode. Michael Flatley. My, I don't know any other Michaels. Michael McIntyre. No, not Michael McIntyre. <laughs> Say you don't know. I don't think. I don't think I do know. I try to think of like famous. I don't know German Michaels or something. But Michael. <sighs> No, All give right. up. Don't know. Sam, do you want to attempt it? Yeah, why not? I oh, mean, I'm only going to end on zero, so that's I'll give it. A, I'll give it a go. Schumacher, obviously, Michael, not Ralph. That wouldn't make any sense for the question in, in concept. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Michaels, who were popular in the world at the time that Seb had been growing up, because I don't actually know the proper answer. So I'm gonna oh. go with. It's a bit left field, but sportsman. Michael Jordan feels appropriate. Makes sense. And then the only other famous Michael that I can think of, which, you know what? I can't see Seb really looking up to the chat, but King of Pop, Michael Jackson, at a real push. That's who I'm going for. They're the three. They are the correct three, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, beat it, Harry. He, he, lo- he idolised Michael Jackson. Really? It seems wow. weird. He did, yeah. It seems really weird. But um, especially after the the controversy of what he went through. You, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's move on from that. Move on yeah. from that <laughs> That was a thriller. That question. Nice. Um, you've dragged yourself back into contention, Sam. It's now you're still down, but you're now three two. So there are just two left. Do you want number five or number six? Um. Hmm. I'm trying to think of a rhyme. That's all I'm debating for here. That's all. That's all right. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, I got homes to go to, Sam. Come on. You're literally sat at home. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, please. Number five. Uh, Sebastian has always fared well at the Bahrain Grand Prix. He's won it blank times. Um, 
three times, Benjamin. He has not won it three times. Well, that's Harry. rude. That's rude. He has won it. Um, uh, he has won it. Wait, I didn't even. I didn't even have to steal this, do I? Oh uh, yeah, you have to steal this. Yeah. Do you want to leave it? To. Well, I don't know. I'm just gonna have a little, have a little ponder. <laughs> a little ponder. After Second saying we've got homes to go to. For the final round. Homes <laughs> <laughs> to go to. Talking about yourselves. Um, do I know how many times he has won it? Oh, I don't know. No, I don't know. All right. Um, it was a good guess, Sam. He's won it four times. Oh, give me a point just for sympathy. It's it's 3-2 <laughs> to Harry going into the last question, which means, Harry, if you Harry, get this right... You win. I steal. But if you get it wrong, and Sam gets it wrong, you still win. But if you get it wrong and Sam gets it right, we ended yet another tie, which seems to be more and more common by the week. Can I have number six, please? You can have number six. Nice. <laughs> Sebastian's first podium came at blank. His first, his first podium, first podium. You say? His first podium... Came at the. Uh, was it. Was it also his first win? Was it also his first win? Oh no, I don't know. He almost had that podium of Fuji and then he, he absolutely rammed Mark Webber up the backside, but then I can't remember he didn't have one. Oh no, hang on a second. Oh no. Oh my god, the debate is. This is fascinating yeah, to watch in his mind. Monza 2008. Italy 2008. Was his first win. It was his first win, Italy 2008. Um, unfortunately for you, it was also his first podium. Thought I might get you on the trick question there, but Harry, smarter than that. 4-2 win for Mr. Nice. Reid. Well done. Are we, re- are we retiring well this game now, Sam? Uh, <laughs> Sam's not doing the jingle ever again. <laughs> I mean, it might be the worst jingle I've ever come up with. It's fine. I, I, I can just drop it in for the first time, Sam. Don't worry. Folks, yeah, little you know, backstage knowledge. Harry just cuts against him a lot of the time. It's not really me singing live, in case you were fooled. I mean, the first time was, folks, but after that, it's never live again. It's always the first time. time you ever hear a jingle, it's me singing it live, and then I regularly forget <laughs> the words until they're played. But tell me more, but tell me more, will we be wrong or right? But tell me more, but tell me more, this quiz is proper sh- Rubbish. Proper rubbish. Um, I mean, before we before we go for this one, we've got the review podcast coming up um, on Sunday. Very much looking forward to the race and the weekend as a whole. Um, we'll end on some sad news, I'm afraid, because we've had this as we were recording, actually, mid-recording. This was announced that um, Tony Brooks, who was the last surviving Grand Prix winner from the 1950s, has sadly... Uh, passed away. He um, he lived a very very long life, a very successful career, particularly in the 1950s race for Ferrari. Um, not far off being a world champion back in that decade. Um, so our thoughts naturally go to the family of Tony Brooks. Um, and I mean, what a career, right, guys? Um, last surviving driver from the 1950s, and I not not many made it. Let's face it; not many made it out alive from that time, and the fact that he's been able to live such a a full life—it's uh, I don't know, perhaps a uh, it's still fresh, but that's got to mean something, right? Yeah, I mean, to be that close to being a world champion, to have raced for such prestigious teams, to be a name that is still recognised throughout the sport—it's sad. It's really sad to see that he's not not with us anymore. But what a career he did have, and what a life he managed to have, and. He gave so much to the sport as well in terms of entertainment, in terms of his ability. Um, and, you know, he, he has been going for a really, really long time. And it, it's when you find out information throughout the podcast, which we regularly do, you know, as you know, folks, news regularly gets dropped as we're recording or even after. And then when news is sad, it's quite hard to kind of, you know, keep up your energy and have a laugh and whatnot. But this one was sad. And it's a, it's a shame to, to hear that he's he's gone. So... If, you, if you've got some free time, maybe go and watch a, a race of his or a highlights package or something, if you can find something somewhere, because he was absolutely fantastic and deserves that that credit and that accolade. So, so yeah, it's sad. 
it's sad, but you know, rest in the pit lane, as we like to say here, Tony Brooks. Very much so. And very crazy to think there was still someone around who raced in the 1950s. That is insane. But um, yeah, very sad news. Rest in peace to Mr. Tony Brooks. Indeed. Um, and with that sad news, we will uh, leave it there for, for this episode. As I mentioned, we'll be back on Sunday straight after the race um, for a review podcast. Oh, it's going to be a late one, isn't it? We're going to be recording, oh, recording into the night, aren't we? The Can't wait to moan about this a one. European F1 fan, it strikes it's again. It's so hard. <laughs> right, anyone who's listened to us for the first time is no longer listening. So um, to those of you who stuck around, thank you very much. Uh, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, it is the first, the inaugural, the debut of the Miami Grand Prix. I can't wait to race. Well, I'm not doing it, but you know what I mean? Watch a race around a fake marine with no water. I'm hoping it's going to be an absolute spectacle. America, do your thing and make it just ridiculous. Go all out. Go crazy with the fireworks and the guests and the announcement and making it just loud and proud. I can't wait to see it. I hope we have an absolutely fantastic race. And remember, as Ben said, to join back here the moment the race is done, we're going to jump straight back onto a recording. We're usually out about an hour or so straight after the race is finished. So come back, check out the review. We'll be talking absolutely all the action and any events that unfold from the weekend. Can't wait to have you there. If you want to talk more to us throughout the weekend and to other F1 fans, we do have the Discord link. It's down in the description. Join that. Over 550 people talking F1 every single day. And uh, follow us on our socials at L Breaking throughout the weekend. You'll be tweeting and talking about Formula One. Uh, Instagram is the Late Breaking Podcast, where we post silly memes, you know, little quotes from here, or um, key highlights from the podcast. And the same with TikTok as well. We're, we're still learning. Down we're getting there on the TikTok, the Late Breaking Podcast, <laughs> as Ben likes to say, despite being the youngest of the three of us. Um, but thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed it. And we look forward to speaking with you again on Sunday. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I have been Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. Pitbull will be here for the review. And remember, keep breaking late. I am Mr. Worldwide tonight. (laughs) Sunshine State. (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.